0: Um, headaches, we started with cuts,
1: Migraines. Uh, we
0: started with migraines, Um, you know, uh, and migraines took a while in the beginning, because you had to build your faith for basic headaches first, we've used our faith for uh, bee stings, especially with mom, because mom's gotten to the point now that she'll have a, a, a severe allergic reaction, but thank God when she gets stung, she doesn't have that reaction. Um, and we've prayed her through some of those reactions. And, Father, we just thank you for it. So, uh, so the more time you spend, so I encourage you. You know, you build your faith when you preach these things. So I encourage you to take these sermons to take these scriptures, to take the time to sit down and read the word and preach the word to yourself. Preach it to yourself. And, and what that is, is that's meditation. That is meditation. When you preach the word to yourself, I was joking and having a good time with Brianna the other day in the office um, because she said, you know what, she said, because one of her things is, man, I just I don't understand meditating. And honestly, that's no shame on her because a lot of people don't understand how to meditate. Meditating is thinking on the word and talking the word over with God talking it over, speaking it over, thinking on it, and speaking it out of your mouth. And so we were in the office the other day, and she said, you know what I've been thinking? And I said, oh, only the Lord knows. And then she said, no, it has to do with the with, with God. And I said, oh, okay. And so she said, I, cor- she'll correct me if I get it wrong, but I'm just summarizing it. But she said something along the line. She said, you know, I've just been thinking, if we would just, Depend on God instead of other people. Oh, that's meditation. What what was it? Oh, if we would just depend on God, we wouldn't have to depend on people. Praise. And I looked at her and I said, no, wait a minute. You mean you've been meditating? She said, no, I don't know how to meditate. I said, well, how'd you come up with this? She said, all I said, Pastor, was I was thinking. I was thinking. On the things of God. That is meditating. And I said, so you were thinking on it. She said, yeah. And I said, now you're talking on it. And she said, yeah. I said, oh, my God, Jesus, we got meditating going on in the office. Meditating. It's that simple. So if you'll take these teachings, if you yourself will sit down with your Bible and begin to look at healings in the Bible and begin to talk to yourself about it, just preach a sermon to yourself honestly when i get in the pulpit i'm like my spiritual father i just preach to myself and let you sit in and listen if you want to
1: mm-hmm.
0: just just i'll just preach to myself and let you sit in and listen if you want to that's what i did this morning it was good work honestly for me all he's
1: preaching is is meditating on the word of god that's right and, and getting getting in line with what god's saying so right. you, you're you're getting in line with what, what God's saying. You're agreeing with what God's saying, and you just start speaking it out.
0: That's right. That's it. That's it. That's what God. That's what meditation is. So that's what we're doing is we're meditating on healing in the Word. So tonight we're going to go to Matthew 13 to the next healing. Matthew 13 to the next healing, and uh, we're going to find out what the Lord says. Now, w- with, this is this is our eighth week. And uh, it kind of feels like, wow, this is going to take us a long time. Well, we got time to get through all these healings. But uh, we're fixing to speed some things up in Matthew.
1: How many years has uh, the church over in Dayton been doing healing school?
0: I guess they're in their eighth year now. Yeah. <laughs> eighth year. Every single Sunday at 3.30, uh, Pastor Chip has been teaching healing every year for eight years. And I think he told us not that long ago that they've only missed two services in all that time. And he still can just still just preach healing. Well, glory to God! Just a minor review, so y'all don't think well, y'all miss y'all skipped a whole lot of stuff. Uh, the last healing that we looked at was in Matthew chapter ten. Matthew chapter ten, um, and this is where Jesus uh, call, gave his disciples the power to uh, cast the, the power. He well, let's just read it, Matthew 10:1, and it says, "And when he had called on to him his 12 disciples, Matthew 10:1, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness. Listen, all manner. Does that mean if they just came, if, if a new sickness just got named today, does that fall under all manner?: It does It does. All manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And I told you last week the difference between sickness and disease is sickness is an ailment that just sticks with you, disease is an ailment that'll take you out. That's the difference. That's the difference. Um, so, uh, so, and then right after this, so here, so this is where he sends out his 12 disciples and he gives them instructions on how to go out. On how to go out. And he's talking and he's giving all this, distru- all this instruction. And I got over to verse 34. We didn't read all of this because we just read part of it uh, last week because, you know, their instructions were their instructions. But some of what Jesus had to say was important. And I got over to verse 34 today, and I kind of giggled at this. And here's why. Most people will tell you that Jesus came to unite people. Most people will tell you that Jesus came to pull people together. Now he's giving his disciples instructions on how to go out. And not only is he telling them how to go out, but he's telling them what are some of the issues and the problems that you're going to run in and run up against. And one of the issues that he ran that the, that he told his disciples he was going to run up against is right here in verse 34. And he tells his disciples, he says, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Isn't that interesting? He told, he told them, he said, uh, he said, don't think I'm here to bring peace. Now, he said in John 14, I, I will leave you my peace. But that's not talking about leaving his peace on the earth. That's talking about he's leaving us the comforter, the Holy Ghost. That's a whole different thing. But he said, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. He said, I come not to send peace, but a sword. A sword, which is the word, sounds like he's kind of fighting. But uh, Pastor Mike's going to read this out of the easy English because it makes what Jesus said real clear.
1: Yep, and it also, for for the the young people that that have this thing about Everybody has to agree with everybody else.
0: Yeah, there's older people that have that mentality. Right, there is.
1: Yep. Okay. Anyways, uh, verse 34 out of the Easy English says, "I will tell you why I have come into the world. I did not come so that everyone would agree with each other. I came to cause people to be in separate groups that fight against each other."
0: That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to separate. What was he separating? He's separating the kingdom of God from the kingdom of Satan. He's separating the kingdom of light front to the kingdom of darkness. Do what? If everybody thought the same thing, you wouldn't learn anything. There is a truth in that. But really, the reason that Jesus came is he came to separate the wheat from the chaff. That's why he came. He came to, see, he came to separate the wheat from the thistles or from the weeds. That's why he came. And he came, and he said, and he said this. He said, "For I am come to set men at variance against to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter and and the daughter-in-law um, against her mother-in-law." And goes on and on down through there. Listen, not everybody in your household is going to come to Jesus.
1: Unfortunately,
0: uh, sadly, unfortunately. But here's the deal. You've got to respect their choice. Now, don't, Now, that doesn't mean that you don't continue to witness to them. It doesn't mean that you don't continue to help them. Oh, no, you do that. So he goes on and he gives them some, some, some instructions. And then in chapter 11, uh, after they've departed, Jesus goes on and he continues his work. And these are some teachings that he does in the synagogues in chapter 11 and chapter 12. Um, and and uh, we get over into chapter thirteen, and he's still doing teachings in various synagogues, and then um, he so he's go and we learned this in the prior week that uh, that this was a period of time, of weeks and months and even a year or more that Jesus uh, himself was going around teaching, um, in different towns and cities and in different synagogues and even. Um, in the house, sometimes he would teach and then um, the, and then he sent out the disciples to do exactly what he was doing he said basically jesus said i can 't reach everywhere I need to go." so he said, "You guys go with me um, but but he ca- and now when the disciples went out jesus didn't didn't just stay home in the lounge chair. he was out teaching, and let 's pick up right here in Matthew thirteen and fifty three
1: All right. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come unto his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So this is his own home country. His own
0: hometown. His own hometown.
1: And so he's teaching them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence has this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, and his brethren James and jo- Joseph and Simon and Judas?
0: Listen, we just found out who Jesus' brothers are. Brothers, bro- Jesus has four brothers at least, James, jo- Joseph, Simon, and um, Judas. Not Judas Iscariot, another one. Um, so we know... We know that he has at least four brothers or half-brothers. He's in his own hometown. Now, I want you to notice something. The Lord just said it to me. I heard it while Pastor Mike was reading. The Lord said this. He said, every man, every man looks at the outside. Every man looks at uh, what they see naturally. And they looked at Jesus and they said to Jesus, or they said amongst themselves, first they asked, first they asked, who's this man with wisdom and mighty works? Notice that they know, notice that they knew that Jesus was full of wisdom and did mighty works. They noticed the good in their life, in his life. But they immediately said, is this not the carpenter's son? How much do you know the highly educated, this is true even today, the highly educated, the high-ranking people in the world have a tendency to look down on tradesmen. They were looking down on Jesus going, you ain't nothing but a carpenter. Well, Mr. High and Mighty working in the sky well, is in the skyscraper who's never put a hammer in his hand, I'd like to you- for you to come see what Jesus can do, so to speak. But see, they looked down on him. They said, basically, they said, well, he's a nobody. Now, they know he's full of wisdom, and they know he's doing mighty works, but they said, how can he do that? He's nothing more than a carpenter's son. Uh, listen, I know some of y'all in this room real well, and you've said, "You've said, well, who am I? I'm nothing more than this or that. That's what they said about Jesus. Is not his mother, is not his mother called Mary? How much do you know, even though Mary uh, gave birth as a virgin mother, how much do you know there was still a rumor in town that she got hooked up with somebody other than Joseph? Don't you know there was still a rumor that she was, while she was engaged, she somehow came up pregnant? Come on. They were dishing him. They were dishing him. That back in that day, they were ba- basically what they were saying is, isn't this the illegitimate son?
1: Of a carpenter.
0: Of a carpenter. Well, not
1: even of a carpenter. Of,
0: That's basically what the carpenter's they were saying. Wife. <laughs> they were basically saying, isn't this an illegitimate son? When you stop and think about it, and his brethren... Uh, yeah, yeah. And then they said, and then they said, then they said, aren't aren't his brothers James and Josiah and Simon and Judas? How much do you know? They were saying, well, you know, those brothers are, the, you know, those problem boys. <laughs> I've been around a lot of teachers, been around a lot of kids, been around a lot, and it never fails when you get the older brothers. The older siblings, and they go through school and they cause some problems. There was some drama about that kid, and then here come the younger sibling. Whether that younger sibling is good or bad, they've never—they don't know. But the teacher will look at them and scowl at them and say,
1: "I knew your brother."
0: I knew your brother Judas. So don't you? And I—I I knew his actions. Don't you even try anything like he tried. The way they're talking, it sounds like these brothers had a reputation in town, doesn't it? Well, doesn't
1: that you... would have been his younger brothers, but yeah
0: but they but basically basically, I mean these are the younger brothers in other words, you could oh he pointed out I was younger, oh in that, in that those unruly kids that run through the market kind of undisciplined? you see what I'm saying? There's reputation that follows. All right. Oh, and his sisters. Are they not all with us? He said, Look. His sisters are here too. You know, looking at their reputation. The other side of this is they were saying, Well, these people are just ordinary people. What makes him so special? That was the other thing they were saying. Oh, my goodness. Whence then had this man all these things? They basically looked, listen, they basically looked at Jesus' family. They basically looked at Jesus' family. Because remember, I pointed out that he was full of wisdom and was doing all this mighty work. So they said, Jesus, we know your family. They looked at the people, they said, hey, 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 people, we know this family. And this family is not nearly as educated and as capable as this man. So how did he do it? Basically, they were accusing him of being a trickster. How, How does he have all that ability? Listen, you are not limited by the family you grew up in naturally. Jesus was not limited by his family circumstances. Because he belonged to the family of God. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you you have also been adopted into Jesus' family. If they looked bad at Jesus' family, they're going to look bad at your family. But guess what? You got the same Holy Ghost that Jesus had. Now, you got a different measure of it, but you got the same Holy Ghost. And the same Holy Ghost that caused Jesus to look highly intelligent Will cause you to look highly intelligent. The same Holy Ghost that gave Jesus great wisdom is the same Holy Ghost that'll give you great wisdom. The same Holy Ghost that did mighty works through the hands of Christ is the same Holy Ghost that'll do mighty works through you if you'll just allow Him. Just allow Him. So they're being all prideful and what have you. And then it says, and they were, ha, look at what it says, and they were offended. In him. They were like. Who are you? They chose to be offended. Their feelings. And their mental senses. Were injured. Because of the wisdom. That flowed through him. And the work that flowed through him. But Jesus said unto them.
1: A prophet is not without honor. Save in his own country. And in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief.
0: Now notice he now Jesus said, A prophet, listen, don't you know that if you're a child of the living God and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're supposed to prophesy? Now that doesn't make you stand in the fivefold office of a prophet, but can't you but you can still prophesy. You got the Holy Ghost. What did he say? He said a prophet is not is is without honor everywhere but his but within his hometown. How, about, how much do you know? How much do you know? You can, get God, you can get a hold of God and God can get a hold of you and you can begin to operate in the things of God and everything's wonderful and fine. and then you get around your family and you're the same old little kid you've always been. Right? In other words, they don't recognize the God in you.
1: And they remember every and they remember every, every little
0: cell, <laughs> every little thing my sister has, my my older sister has a bad habit when I get still and I get quiet, I, now that I have Jesus, I'm calm and I'm still and I get quiet, and I'm very content. I'm very content just to be still and quiet, just you know just hanging out. why? Because I'm hanging out with Jesus. I don't have to make a big show of it. Me and Jesus are having a party within, within my spirit. I'm having a good time with Jesus. And my sister will come up and say, what's the matter with you? You're so grumpy. Why? You just don't ever seem happy. And I'm like, I'm happy. No, the difference is, is I'm not like, yeah, out of I'm not fleshy happy. I'm spiritually happy. I'm spiritually content. And then, and she'll poke at me constantly. You're just not happy. What's wrong with you? I, nothing, I'm, and I'll just look at I say, nothing, I'm perfectly fine. No, you there you go. It, this, this is my face. This is the way I look. It's exactly where right. I'm going to have to take that. This is my face. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it's the way you said it. But, yeah, this This is the way, like, this is just it. But how much do you know? And she'll be like, what's that? And yeah, and then, because she's poking at me, I'm like, I'm fine. And she said, see, there's that tone. I knew you weren't fine. And I'm thinking, I was fine when you asked me the first five times. Now we're to the point that, yeah, you're getting my dander up. Listen, he said, he go to the next verse. Oh, go back a verse. Go back a verse. He said, and they were offended in him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not, with, is not without honor. That's kind of the double negative. They spoke that way. Saved in his own house, in his, or in his own country, in his own house. He said, listen, he said, I go everywhere else. And everybody's like, that's the, that's the Messiah. That's the healer, That's the one you need. Like, they're giving him honor. They're giving him respect. He comes home. There's no honor. There's no respect. Now, look at the next verse, because the next verse tells you something crazy.
1: The one that she just had up?
0: The one that she just had up. And it says, and he did not many mighty works. Did it say he could not? No, it says he did not many mighty works. Does it say he was complete, that he had no ability to do mighty works? No, it said that he didn't do them. Why? Because of their unbelief. So the indication here is now, now well pastor, I thought this was a healing scripture. Look at what we've been looking at for the past couple of weeks. Everywhere Jesus went, he went into the synagogues, preaching and teaching and healing and casting out demons. So now he's gone into his own hometown to heal, to preach, to teach, to heal, and set free the captive. And yet now here he can't do any mighty works. didn't say that he couldn't do any works. It said that he couldn't do any mighty work
1: the easy english for that verse says jesus did not do many powerful things in nazareth didn't say he didn't do any Said so he didn't do many correct so he didn't do many powerful things in nazareth because the people did not believe in him
0: that's right listen if you need a mighty work you're going to have to believe in jesus there's a lot of people that don't get their mighty work that they need because they refuse to believe. They refuse to believe. Let's go to Mark chapter 6 and look at this account. Mark chapter 6. Let's look at this.
1: And he went out from
0: thence.
1: 6-1. Yeah, 6-1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works were wrought by his hands? So
0: what does this mean? this means that Jesus went into the synagogue and was teaching and preaching. Now, you've heard Pastor Mike and I teach and preach, and when we teach and preach, do we not tell you about past experiences? Do we not teach you about past encounters? Do we not talk about the successes that we've had in the power of God, that we've seen this one healed and we've seen that one healed and we've laid hands on this and we cast demons out of this? Do you think, where do you think I've learned to preach that way? By the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit was on Jesus, helping him to preach, what do you think Jesus preached? I've gone to this town, and I had this happen, and over here in this town, this happened. Why? Because he was building their faith. Faith comes by hearing, so he was teaching them through giving examples of miracles that was being done. So they said, they said, how has he done, or how does he have this wisdom? Uh, which is given to him, they recognize that the wisdom was given. Notice that. They recognize, because they look, remember, we just saw it, they looked at his family. And they said, coming from that family, there ain't no way that kid can be that smart. That young man, that adult. No, they noticed that the wisdom was given to him. And even uh, such mighty works are wrought by his hand. They didn't question that the works were done by his hand. Why? They heard him say it. Plus, they had heard the rumors coming before he ever came into town. They would heard the testimony. The disciples were with him at this point. We just found that out. Uh, So the disciples had gone out, and they had come back. Because look, it says, um, and he went out from, from hence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. There were people following him that confirmed what he said. In other words, they were sitting in the congregation saying, that's right, that's true, I saw it with my own eyes. And they're going, how did, how, what? How did this happen? Look at this. And when it says, and uh, they were astonished, where did this all come from? And then here, and, and they gives the account, let's look at verse 3.
1: Is not this the carpenter? Uh, the the, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house.
0: So this doesn't, we don't really see anything different here, but let's keep reading.
1: And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief.
0: Now, I want you to notice this. It says, and he could do no mighty work. Now, and then down below it says, because of their unbelief. Did it say he could do no mighty work because the power wasn't present? Did he say that he couldn't do the mighty work because, well, God just, turned his back on these people and didn't want to. No. It said that, the, that he could not get the power to flow because of the people's unbelief.
1: And what have we been teaching? We've been teaching that, and, and we've been showing that, that Jesus, in all these healings that Jesus has done, he said it's because of your faith. John. So in this case, it was because of their faith that he couldn't do anything. So this is the
0: first place that we see that perhaps there was somebody there that needed a miracle that didn't get it. This is the first place that we see that maybe somebody was there to be healed or there to be set free from demons or were there um, for, for some divine healing that maybe they didn't get it because he said, there was, I, could do no, I could do no mighty work. Maybe there was a cripple that couldn't get set free from being crippled. He could, he could handle a few things. He took care of some, some cuts. He took care of some lacerations. He took care of some headaches. He might have cleared up a sinus infection or a minor earache. But getting the, but getting the, the, the paralyzed person off their, bed, off their bed of sickness, he couldn't do that. Drying up a fountain of blood in somebody, he couldn't do that. Casting devils and demons out of people that were, that were vexed with demons. He couldn't do that. Did it say he didn't want to? No. It did not. Not one place. There's nowhere in this verse that Jesus, it said, well, Jesus chose to do no mighty works. No. It said that he could not. There was a blockade. Listen. I have laid hands on people that needed divine healing. Because you can feel, you can sense when the power of God goes out of you and into them to be healed. And I have sensed, I've laid hands on them. And, I mean, it was like a brick wall. Why? Because though they were up here under emotion, there was no faith in their heart. There was no faith.
1: See... Their faith was lacking. But why was their faith lacking? It's because of, of familiarity. Yep. They, were, they were so familiar with Jesus that they couldn't see, even though, even though they heard testimonies, even though the, the other disciples were there with, the, with him and could confirm what he was saying, even though they heard all this, they couldn't get past this was little Jesus, the little perfect guy, who, who was always told he was going to be the son of God and, and raised so perfectly, they couldn't get past that. It was the sin of familiarity. They, they, they saw him, and, and they knew him too well, and they couldn't believe what, what the evidence bef- that was set before them. And so they couldn't receive. And, and the same, same thing happens today. You get too familiar with somebody, and and it's and you know them too well. You know all their their faults and all their problems. And you're like, you can pray for me, but I know nothing's going to happen because why would because God listen you. to you?
0: Yeah, this is honestly why. This is honestly why, as pastors, we need to bring people in from time to time that have a that have the power and anointing of healing, because sometimes a pastor can't get somebody in their own flock healed. Because they're too familiar with their pastor and they won't receive the anointing from yeah. them. This is the danger. This is the danger. Now, when he stepped up to speak, I heard the Lord say this. He said, "You need." He said, "He." He said this. He said, "Notice." Did it say that he couldn't do it because they lacked faith? No. Was it because of a lack of faith?
1: It wasn't faith. It was faith in Jesus.
0: A lot of times, people equate unbelief with a lack of faith. Did you hear me? A lot of times, people will equate a lack of faith with unbelief. You can have faith, but you can also have unbelief. Let me give you an example. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he went to hell. I mean, I believe it. You can't talk me out of it. I can draw you a picture of it if I could draw. I mean, I could, I could, I I mean, I could, I could, I could put it in a. I give me the right people, and I could put it in a movie and show it before you exactly what happened. I believe it. I know it. It's in my heart. It's in my spirit. I know that I know that he died. I have, because remember, faith. Is having trust in God. Faith means you are completely trusting God, and I mean I know that God can 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 has saved, and I have faith for healing. I've seen God heal tumors off of my pets. I've seen God. I've had my I've had my animal. Now this is crazy, but I've had my animals in the hand in my hands rushing them to the vet because they were on the they were on their way out. Their little their little their little tongues were turning blue in the whole nine yards. And I've commanded life into him, and been healed. I've believed for divine healing for my husband's foot. I've believed for divine healing for my dad. I believe for divine healing for myself. So I have faith, but I have also had a major issue of unbelief. Unbelief says, "But will He do it for me?" Unbelief says. But do I deserve it? Unbelief says, "Is it's too hard for God?" And so you can get your, you can end up with more unbelief in one area and have less faith. And it's not that you don't have enough faith to be healed; it's that you've got to get the unbelief out of the way. You got to get the unbelief out of the way. So he did so, so I heard the Lord say. He said, "Make sure they understand that these people didn't get healed because of a lack of faith. They failed to get healed because of a, an abundance of unbelief and an, uh, an abundance of unbelief. In other words, you can have so much doubt that it causes you to question your faith. Because remember, faith has to be activated. If you're questioning your faith, are you going to activate it? No, no. You never hit that. You never, you never go up and you never punch that faith button. You know that, that turn on the faith. Why? Because there's so much unbelief
1: blocking you. I could I could see where G, the the people from Jesus' hometown would have trouble believing that Jesus would heal them. I mean, you think about it. He was the, he was the little goody two shoes kid who probably got picked on all the time. They probably thought, he wouldn't heal me. He'd probably slap me in the head with a rock <laughs> because of the way I treated him. <laughs> you know,
0: but I, heard, I just heard the Spirit say this. He said it wasn't their faith that was a problem. It was their unbelief. See, unbelief can cause you to have, a, can, can cause you to, to, to have issues. And then it says, and he went around about the villages teaching. So he figured it out, he said, "Listen, he said, you're not going to receive it, so he's got to teach him and teach him and teach him. I believe after, t- after Jesus taught, I believe later at some point along the lines, he grabbed some of his disciples and said, "Now go back. Now you go back and you teach and you heal, because they didn't know the disciples' history. True. because his heart is to get somebody design- his heart- Jesus, his heart is to get people healed. Let's go look at this in Luke's account, Luke 4. Luke 4. Jesus' heart is to get them healed. Luke 4, verse 20.
1: And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. Am I on the right one? Yeah, you I, okay. are. Okay. All right. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him.
0: So this gives us an idea of the time that Jesus made it into Capernaum, or into his own hometown, I mean. This is this gives us a time frame. This is after he was in another synagogue and had gone in and pulled the scroll of Isaiah and and and, and read the part of Isaiah. Where he prophesied about healing the sick and and setting the captive free and all that, and then he put it on the shelf and he walked out. Then he went to his own hometown. So this gives us a little look at the at the timeline.
1: All right.
0: Let's keep going.
1: And he began to say unto them, This day is, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness. And wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said. Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country.
0: Listen, now we know. Where, what, what town did he pull the scripture from? He was in his own hometown. Because they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Now we know precisely where he was when he read that, script, that scroll.
1: Let's keep reading. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months. That's when it didn't rain for three years and six months. When great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent. Save to uh, Serepita a Sidian of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisus the prophet, and none of them were was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And he rose up, and or, and rose up, and thrust him out of the city, and led him into the Brow of the hill where whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong They we're going to throw him off a cliff
0: In his own hometown In his own hometown they wanted to kill him Can you imagine the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees in Jesus's hometown who grew up with Jesus they, and, they, and, and here come that little kid that they all watched him grow up, and he's going to come into the house, and he's going to correct them. Can you imagine the wrath? Do you see why now they wanted to kill him? In their, <laughs> do you imagine? It's kind of it's how I feel from time to time when the youth come in and they correct me. I'm like, excuse me, who do you think you are? It's wisdom of God. Now I wasn't the. Now I'm not Jesus, and I didn't have all that drama, and I wasn't responsible for him. But imagine, you know, all I had him was for the youth years. Imagine these are the priests that dealt with Jesus from the day of his birth, from shortly from from the time he was a toddler when they moved into this hometown, all the way up into the age of thirty. And now here he comes. He's now a full man. And now he's going to come into our synagogue, not even going to the schools, not even being, being in the Levitical priesthood. And he's going to tell us. He's going to correct us. Can you imagine the anger? Now, the other thing, and here Luke gives us a greater depiction of what Jesus told them. Because the other the other ones... He just said, no prophet uh, is without honor in his own hometown. But here, he tells them fully what Jesus, he, t- he tells us more fully what Jesus said. And Jesus brought out, number one, he quoted more Old Testament scripture to him. And then he said, he said, verily I say unto you, and uh, he he basically tells them, um He recites kings to them. He he recites what happened in Kings where um, Elijah was sent into into God's city. And the only person that he was sent to was a widow woman. And he was sent to the widow woman so that the widow woman could take care of him. Now, while he was there with the widow woman, he in turn took care of the widow woman. But what Jesus was saying was this, he said, just like in Elijah's day, there were plenty of widows and there were plenty of hungry people and there were plenty of lepers and there were plenty of sick people, but God didn't go, but God didn't take care of every widow and didn't take care of every leper and didn't take care of every sick person in Elijah's day. Why? Because the city didn't receive Elijah. It wasn't that God didn't want to heal the lepers in Elijah's day. It wasn't that God didn't want to take care of the widows in Elijah's day. It wasn't that God didn't want to feed the people that were in a famine in Elijah's day. It was that they would not receive what what Elijah had told them to do. They didn't receive them. And therefore, they went through a a three-and-a-half-year drought. And they they blamed Elijah for the drought. That's what the situation was. So we can see here that um, we can can have a, a mindset of familiarity with Christ, and it can block our healing. We can see that we can have faith and yet have unbelief, and that unbelief will block our healing. No, we don't want to be so familiar with Christ that we think of Christ as our homie as our best friend, as our best bud, as our, oh, Lord Jesus, as our get-out-of-jail-free card. No, we don't want to treat Jesus that way. We need to understand he's the King of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's the Lion and the Lamb. He is the great physician, and we need to approach him as so.
1: Now, we could still think of him as our friend because he called us friends. If we followed even, his, e- if we even, followed him, even the best friend, but we have to do it with respect. That's right. For who he is truly. You
0: know, I have I have a physician that I love greatly, and I was re- and I respect greatly. And we go in, we have a nice casual conversation with him. But when it comes to the medical side of things, I treat that man with great respect and great honor. Why? Because when it when, because he's the physician and he has greater wisdom than I do in that situation. He's got. He's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna treat him with honor. Well, I think we. I think we've got time to look at the at this last at this other account. Let's go to Matthew fourteen fourteen.
1: You're gonna get all three of them. Oh, we'll we'll
0: hit all four of them. Matthew chapter fourteen, verse fourteen. All right, fourteen
1: fourteen. There we go. Uh, let's
0: let's read. Uh, this is right after John the Baptist was slain. His disciples came and told him that John had been slain. And uh, Jesus grabbed his disciples and said, Come on, boys, let's go up in a mountain and pray. Let's go hear from heaven. You know, when, uh, when somebody dies, when, when, a, when a fellow brother or sister in, in the body dies tragically, you sometimes need to go get before the Father and find some things out. So that's what they did. And so they're trying to get up in the mountain, And they're trying to mourn uh, the death of John, the Baptist. And uh, look what happens. Let's read verse 13.
1: All right. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, when they figured out where he went, they followed him on foot out of the cities.
0: He's trying to go mourn his cousin. And they're following him on foot. Come
1: on. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. He healed their sick. Even though he was in a time of mourning.
0: Even though he was in one of the greatest mornings of his physical human life, uh, he was moved with compassion. Every time there's a healing with God, Jesus is moved with compassion. It's the compassion of God that brings the healing. Now, uh, let's go look at uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Mark 6.
1: And when it comes to Jesus' state of mind at that time, you got to remember that, that John and him knew each other from, from the womb. From
0: the womb. That's exactly <laughs> right. So John 6. Let's pick up right here. Now, this is where we're not going to, for the sake of time, we're not going to read all this, but we, this is where we find out that... Um,
1: it was towards the end, wasn't it?
0: That that King Herod's... No, we're in verse 30. Okay. Um, that King Herod's uh, niece dances erotically for him, and he promises, he says, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. She said, I want John's head on a charger. Um, And... Uh, and, and then, of course, his disciples get here, get word of it. They came. They took uh, uh, John's disciples took up his course and laid it in a tomb. And then they went to Jesus in verse thirty. Let's read.
1: And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both that they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest awhile.
0: So not only does he have his disciples, but he's got John's disciples with him. Come on.
1: For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so, so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. So they ran all over the place looking for him.
0: But they even, but look at this. It says, he said, let's go get a rest. And then in, um, in in verse 31, he said, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. In other words, John's disciples were being followed by people. Jesus' disciples were being followed. They were trying to get away they were trying to get to a place where they could mourn, and people just kept coming in, one here and one there. They just kept coming to them for healing, and it was such a continuous flow of people that they couldn't even sit down and have a meal. They couldn't even have a meal.
1: And Jesus, when he came out... Jesus, saw, you're now
0: reading verse 34. Yeah,
1: ...saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time... Ha- okay, we went past. No,
0: keep going, right. keep going.
1: And now the time ha- is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat, and they shall and and they say uh, uh, and they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? And he said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all to sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to the heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men.
0: So here's the time frame of this. John the Baptist was decapitated right before Jesus healed many and fed 5,000. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the amount of compassion that had to go from him despite his despair? A lot of times as Christians, we are so busy about our life and the pressure of our life that we never give a thought for somebody else. But here Jesus is under one of the worst pressures of his human life and yet, the compassion of God, as He looked around to the people, was so much that He healed them. He sat down and taught them, and then He fed them five. And then He fed five thousand of them. Now we know now now that He fed now that we know that He fed about five thousand. Now we understand why He couldn't even sit down to eat because they just kept coming. They just kept following Him. Let's go to Luke nine, Luke chapter nine. And if you go if you go back uh, to Mark fourteen, you find out that, that, that after he fed the five thousand is when Peter walked on the water with Jesus. But we're gonna go look at Luke chapter nine, verse ten, or thereabout. Ooh, where's where's ten? Here we go.
1: I think 10 right. All right. Let's pick up
0: right here in 10.
1: And the apostles, when they returned, told him all that they had done, and he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, followed him, and he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. Uh, you want me to go on? Yeah, keep going. Okay. And when the day began to wear away, when, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals. For we, were, we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them. Now
0: notice, I want you to notice that the twelve men told Jesus to send them away. The, the disciples said, Jesus, you need to send them away. So Jesus had healed them. Jesus had healed them, and he told them to send them away.
1: Or they told him. Or they
0: said, Jesus told them to go, and, he, and Jesus said, no, give them something to eat. Now I'm coming to a point. Let's go look at John 6. This is the first time we're looking at John's account. Let's go look at John 6. And we're going to go, we're going to start right here in verse 1. John 6, verse 1. Oh, we're going to see something miraculous right here. Well, What does this have to do with healing? Oh, this has a lot to do with healing. This has a lot to do with the provision of God. Come on. John 6, verse 1.
1: After these things, Jesus went over uh, over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat?
0: Oh, my goodness. What was nigh?
1: The feast of the Passover.
0: The feast of the Passover. The Feast of the Passover. Isn't it interesting that we got to this teaching on Resurrection Day? He was healing people on Passover week. So, now... We know that this did not occur because it says the Passover was nigh. So we know that this is not the time of his crucifixion. So this is probably a year to a year, probably about a year before he goes to the cross. A
1: year to two years.
0: So we know because, so so this is what we know. When we started in Matthew and we were looking at the healings, the last healing that we started to look at before this group of healings that we've been looking at for the last two weeks or so, Um, he kept telling everybody, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. And now he's healing everybody and he's not putting that command on them. And now we know that this is the week of Passover. So now we know that we're a year at most two years out from his crucifixion, but they had already, but we saw, um, that they were wanting to kill him in his own hometown. So the desire to kill him was already starting to happen. So in Jesus' three and a half years of ministry, we're probably pretty close to about two and a half years in. Pretty close to about two and a half years in. Isn't that cool? And this is so this is the week of Passover. Now, what does this have to do with healing? So glad you asked. I want you to think about this. We understand and we know from Passover that at the week of Passover that all the people are supposed to be in their home. We know that on that four days before the Passover meal, they're supposed to not only be in their homes, but they're supposed to pick this, the Passover lamb. And they're supposed to be inspecting the lamb. And this said that Passover was nigh. Close. And Jesus was very concerned that they were fed. Jesus was concerned that that these people were fed because, because part of the Passover is the feeding of the Jews. That was part of the covenant. So here's the deal. I believe that these 5,000 people, I believe that when he said the Passover is nigh, I believe that they're talking because, because remember when the Sabbath hits that evening, they're not supposed to travel or do any preparation. So if he sends them home to travel, they're not going to have time to prep, and they're already worn out. And this is what's called a high Sabbath, so they're not going to be able to do any preparation or any meal prep or any cooking uh, for four days, and they're already worn out. And so Jesus said, no, you can't send them away. Well, but the, but, but but what about their lamb? We saw it this morning. Go to Leviticus. We saw it this morning. Go to Leviticus. So, 22, 23. 23. Leviticus 23. We learned that this morning for sure, didn't we? Yep. <laughs> Leviticus 23. Come on. Who took Leviticus out of my Bible?
1: Not me. Come on.
0: There it is. Leviticus 23, verse 5. In the 14th day of the first month at evening is what?
1: The Lord's Passover. The Lord's
0: Passover. So if this is Passover and they're with Jesus, then they've got the lamb. Then they've got the lamb. There was a reason that he didn't want them traveling. There was a reason that he wanted to feed them. Because he was the Passover, this was a type and shadow of the, what was coming in about a year. Think about it. Think about it. Oh my goodness, he is—he is the Lamb. He said, "No, no, no. Make sure they're fed." Well, what does this have to do with healing? I want you to think about this. These people were so desperate for healing. They were so desperate for truth. They were so desperate for Jesus that they were willing to break Jewish law. They were willing to miss their own Jewish law of the Passover meal, which represented their freedom from slavery. They said, no, we're going after Jesus. Sometimes to get healed, you've got to go after it. You've got to say, you know what, yeah, I've got friends that want to spend time with me, yeah, I've got, you know, I've got this that needs to be done, I've got that that needs to be done, I've got, got, you know, I really don't want to miss this, I really don't want to miss that, listen. Sometimes you're going to have to push some of that stuff aside, push some things aside, not saying you don't have legitimate obligations, but sometimes to get healed, you're going to have to push some, some, some perfectly acceptable things out of your way and say, uh-uh, I'm coming after him, and I'm not leaving until I get it. That's the way these people came to Jesus. How much do you know? Most people could have said, now listen, now listen, honey, now Listen. Now, Jesus just lost John. That's his cousin. They've known him since they were in the womb together. He, he needs to grieve. You can go meet John later, or you can go meet Jesus later. How I much mean, you know, some people would buy that argument and say, you're right, I, I won't bother him. But no, these 5,000 people said, <clears throat> Jesus, we know you just left John, but we still need you. They went after it. Sometimes to get healed, you've got to go after it. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. I don't, I, you know, some people can say, well, it's just a coincidence. I was, I was looking at these, um, today, going through them today, and I, when I saw that this happened Passover week, when I got and it said that the Passover was nigh, and I got to sitting there thinking about it, I said, Lord, it's not a coincidence that this is the week that we got on this scripture. Because I was getting frustrated that this has been taking us so long. There was a reason. It's Passover. Come on, Jesus. Listen, all you need to have divine healing. Because when they left Egypt, didn't they all leave healthy, whole, and well? Was there a sick one amongst them? No. When that when that death angel passed by, he didn't just pass them by. He took every sickness that that was in those houses away with them. He said, oh. He said, oh, there's sickness in that house? Oh, that house is covered in the blood. That sickness ain't allowed to be there. I guess I'm going to have to pull it back from them. Satan said, Jesus, that, <laughs> I guarantee you the Father God said, uh, Satan, angel of death, uh, every house you see that blood on, if you put any sickness in that house, you've got to take it back when you pass over. Come on. When, when Jesus, when, when, when devils and demons walk over, come by you, come near you, and they see you washed and cleansed in the blood of the lamb, when they, then, and they go, oh, I've got to pass over that one, that, that means they can't even leave a linger of sickness and disease in your wake. Come on. Glory to God. Father, we do praise you. Father, we thank you. Father, we exalt you on high. Father, we thank you for your love and your kindness. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Father, as we prepare to sow a tithe and an offering to you tonight, Father, we thank you that you are the God who is more than enough. Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah Nisi, our divine healer. Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Man, oh man, when you resurrected us, you resurrected us completely whole and well in Jesus' mighty name. And so, Father, as we sow these seeds, Father, we just thank you that as we sow these seeds that you will cause an increase to come to your people supernaturally above all that we could ask or think. Father, we thank you that you're working and moving in this day and in this hour and Father, we give you all the glory and honor. Oh, Father, we just thank you. Woo, we just thank you. And Father, I thank you that you're putting us, that you are, that uh, you are blessing our people supernaturally in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you that this is our year to get it right, and that we're getting it right, and that the blessings and provision of God flows to each and every person abundantly in Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God, amen and amen. Thank you for serving the people.